from the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are out after dark for Sean Bean's curfew, betraying Queen and Country with Channel 4's traitors and pulling on our flak jackets for, um, flak, which is a show starring Anna Paquin. All that and a solemn promise that I will not bang on about The Shield at any point in this podcast, mainly as I'm saving all that for next week. I'm James Dyer, and welcome once again to the greatest TV podcast on the internet, a product described by Wayer12 on iTunes as actually rather nice, but I think the sound quality could be better. Uh, (laughs) He, she also goes on to say, I feel like if I saw James Dyer walking towards me, I'd cross the road. (laughs) Kind of. We all feel the the same. Kind of like the same way I feel about Kanye. (laughs) But he's 100% correct about The Expanse, which is, of course, true. Kanye loves The Expanse. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the podcast equivalent of Kanye, and, and The Expanse is great. This is what we've established. Can I just say that the outpouring of support for James Diet and The Expanse mm. on social media <laughs> has been so discombobulating yeah. that I honestly don't know what to do with myself. And I don't know if it's the audience. I don't know if I want to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I want to edit the magazine. Yeah. Everything I thought I knew about the world. Has Bear in been mind, though, the internet shaken. isn't the world. The Twitter. Yeah. Isn't the world. This is an unrepresentative sample. Uh, it's amazing how affordable Russian bots are. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Wayer 12 goes on to say the boss lady and the celeb friend will not be disappointed by the expanse. So there's a recommendation <laughs> for you two. Celeb friend. Yeah. Okay. That's the most damning of all. It's damning, yeah. Well, oh. Wayer 12, you will be pleased to hear. <laughs> from the other side of the street, that I am joined once again by both the boss lady and the celeb friend. Uh, these are now your official wrestling names, just just so you know. The former joins us in a state of mild trauma, as try as she might, there was no relentlessly tedious documentary for her to bang on about on this week's podcast. It's Terry White! <laughs> yeah, can I just say that, the, the, the um, as we'll get to rather soon, the spread of choices was... Uh, not grim enough for me. Yeah. Grimless. Yeah. Grim free. A real lack of grim. Grim short. Uh, celeb friend is also here, uh, in part to help Terry out, because his new documentary feature, providing a steadfast defence of Silent Witness, is released this week. A Hilton to Die On can be seen on BBC Two from Wednesday. It's Boyd Hilton. That is not my hill to die on. <laughs> I, 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 all I'm saying is it's is quite good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Leave me alone. This is Boyd's favourite TV show. This is, this is official. It's canon. It's canon now. You are the silent witness. I am the silent witness. <laughs> all Amazing. stand before me. So aside from silent witness, what have we been watching this week? Can I jump in and say Catastrophe, final episode, yeah, before Terry need, does? We need to I talk knew, about this. I knew that Terry was going to pick Catastrophe, final episode. Do you know what I knew? That yeah. James Dyer wouldn't have watched it. Yeah, right. Yeah, are exactly. we correct? Well, Terry, I'll yeah. have you know I haven't watched it but i have <laughs> i've watched i've now i'm i'm halfway through episode three so i'm getting there very slowly okay you're gonna have to put your fingers in your ears you can't you can't do spoilers yes, on the podcast can. everybody's talking wait 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 so we're not going to do detailed spoilers but we are going to talk in general terms about so if you do not want to okay. know anything at all about catastrophe <laughs> Just fast forward this bit. That's not an option for me. I'm well, literally not you. sitting here. No, well, not you. Yeah, you, shit. you yeah. should have fucking watched <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. So. Can I skip you two forward like 20 <laughs> seconds or something? Um, well, then you can try. Boy, 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 boy yes. do you kick us off because I yes. saw you tweeting about it. Um, I absolutely loved it. I, mean, I, I think looking at the bigger picture, I think it, it just reminded me that catastrophe going way back. You know, when it started, it was the story of, of uh, One Night Stand that turned into a relationship because it kind of had to because she got pregnant. Sharon's character and Rob Delaney, they kind of thrown together by chance. And, and the whole idea of it is, can we make this work? They then became a family, uh, husband and wife, kids. 
And it's been, I think, over four series, it's been an incredibly consistently brilliant look at how relationships can work in this day and age with two brilliantly intelligent, sharp, kind of relentlessly sarcastic people. Can can you can that relationship work? And for me, the ending, what was, again, slight spoiler alert, there, it, it put you through. When we discussed episode one, all I'll say is this. Remember, the thing that the big issue, I remember when we discussed episode one on this very podcast of this series, of this fourth series, I think we just talked about how Sharon's character had become quite brittle yes. and yes. unlikable. Yes. And, of course, that was all a deliberate theme because that yeah. was the big theme of this final episode was can the relationship deal with the fact that she had become that unlikable. And there's a line in it where he says, you know, no one likes you yep. to her, which was an incredibly powerful moment. And then it all spun from there as to what, how they resolved that. Did they resolve that in the end? And there's a, there's a, there's a, a beautiful ending I thought was fantastically pitched, um, slightly ambiguous. Like people were discussing whether or not there was like a dark yes. element yeah. to it, which I don't completely think there was. There's loads of amazing conspiracy theories. Uh, loads of amazing theories. conspiracy theories. Um, so I won't give that away, but I just thought it, it was an absolutely brilliantly fitting um, end to this astonishingly real and funny analysis of a relationship. I agree, and I have to say the bit Boyd is talking about, um, and it, this is a run, this has been a running theme throughout catastrophe. Sharon is a dick at times. <laughs> Robbie's also a dick at times, but yeah. she probably is the bigger dick in this. Yeah. And actually, there's a real rarity in television to have a main female character who you do root for and you do really like just a lot of the time be really not very nice. And and that line is incredibly powerful. And I have to say, it really that's the bit that stayed with me. The ending was, and the whole episode was. Um, both brutal and beautiful which is catastrophe in a nutshell really mm. but I have to say that whole scene and as you say that whole fundamental question which was which has been at the heart of the show all the way through and we may have forgotten fundamentally that that is the nub of it was you know can two people who were thrown together not by choice but by circumstance who in our deeply flawed individuals separately can they ever really make it work together and there is, I think there are different ways to read the finale. And there was a bit where I, I woke up the next morning and was like, every relationship is fucked. Because <laughs> fundamentally, we're all just trying to make the best of it. And, and everything is just trying to make the best of it. And just trying to not be too much of a dick to the other person that you ultimately drive them away forever. It's actually quite bleak. There is a, a moment which is bleak that really stuck with me. Um, and it kind of does um, uh, go on from there. That isn't the final moment, and we won't talk about what the final moment is. But I have to say, like, it is, as you say, the most accurate depiction of modern relationships, of how people get together, but more fundamentally, how and why people stay together. Yeah. That, I think, yeah. has been done on um, either television or film, actually. Um, yeah. I felt very sad afterwards yeah, that same, it was yeah. done, that yeah. it was gone. But I think they, they, they judged it perfectly in the sense that this is the great place to end. Um, and I think, you know... It, I think if they just kind of carried on, I mean, they could carry on. You could eat, there are easily ways they could spin it out for more series, but it feels like a piece of work. It feels like a yes. thing, uh, a, a, an incredible analysis of this of this of this uh, relationship. And I had I came away with it very positively actually. I'll tell you because I, I what I clung to was the idea. I came away thinking one of one of the ideas of the whole show. I think right from the start has been it really matters that they're two incredibly funny. Obviously, they're in a comedy, yes. but the the, the why the reason why it's so believable and authentic is they're two really witty, funny, sharp people, as, of course, we all are around this table. So, and I came away with it thinking, 
it's going to be fine because they're so smart and funny with each other. And when they re- they kind of remind themselves of that at one point in this episode, yeah, that actually one of the things they've got in common is how how kind of funny they both are, and they're honest, brutally honest yeah. with each other. And a lot of the humour comes from that brutal honesty, and that is might be the reason why it works. People say, I mean. You know, they've got kids and it'd be really hard to dump each other and start again. That's why fundamentally people stay together. But well, there's that as well. Yeah. There's a symbolic moment where the kids are effectively abandoned at one point. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I, lo- I love that you couldn't find anything dark and depressing, so you've managed to make catastrophe <laughs> dark and depressing. And it's just like, brilliant. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I'm just a bit behind because I've been watching something I can't talk about because I'm not saying the S word this week. But uh, once I have finish that i will of course pick up on catastrophe uh and watch that it's great and i think you're right i think they're both they're both dicks but they're really funny dicks Mm. and being funny makes up for being a dick i do think it's quite funny though that i think he's maybe slightly softer but i think there's an element of they're both dicks they're both funny but people are more forgiving of men being dicks than they are of women being dicks so i think maybe that's why her character has slightly tougher time but yeah looking forward to that i think also we're very used to men being the funny ones Mm. in a relationship or in a pairing oh yeah yeah. and you know, most of the time she's funnier than him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. she's she's a double hander in that you're really kind of uh, thrown off because she is the funny one, and also she is the mean one. But you still root for her, and as you say, we're not. That's not what we're conditioned to do. We're conditioned to like give cut men a lot of slack and, and yeah. think women are harridans and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think it perfectly intersects with your slightly nihilistic view of relationships, James. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Which is obviously a great thing. Yeah, okay, you take brilliant. great comfort from yeah, that. Yeah. I want to live in yeah. catastrophe. Is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good, yeah. good. I look forward to that. So I watched something else that wasn't the other thing this week. I watched two things, and I want to talk a little bit about both of them. I finally finished season three of The Good Place, which was interesting on a number of levels. It's one where, and we've talked about this a little bit, The Good Place is one of the best comedies on TV, but it's been very up and down in this particular third season where they don't seem to have found their groove in the same way. I think they salvaged it, and, and when it reinvents itself again, there's a real bittersweet note to it. But there's an interesting aspect on it where the whole point is not to give too much away but there's there's there's, there's a discussion about how one gets into the good place in this modern day and age mm. and they they seize on a very valid point that you can't because you it's not possible to not be a dick in 21st century life because everything you do has horrific ramifications for the rest of the world like you know you buy a hybrid car but the battery uses cobalt that comes from DR Congo and you know oh my god what am I doing and like slaves are making your clothes and stuff like there's nothing you can do even when you try and source stuff ethically there's something going on and I've, I found that really interesting and they make really good comedy hay out of that and also Chidi's really funny uh, but yeah, it was good. good. Glad I finished that is that. a good theme. I like that theme. Yeah, because it's, it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. Every and day, every single day. If you listen to like news radio as I do, like it, it, there's, you know, this why? is bad. For, why? Why do why? I listen to it? Talk radio is literally like <laughs> I know. It's that I'm addicted. Worst kind of self harm. It is self harm. Yeah, but, but it's true. But you come away thinking it's all fucked up. It's yeah, all complete, none of it's none of it's ethically. No, there, you cannot have an ethics. No. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And the other thing I watched. Brace yourself. Terry's actually doing other things and writing in a book <laughs> as is her want. But I'm I want her. <laughs> about, about you. Right, brilliant. Well, if you get roses are red, James Dyer's a twat. Yeah, James Dyer is a... You see, liar's not quite right. How do you say smug bastard and make it rhyme with Dyer? Roses are red, violets are blue. You watch The Expanse. Go and fuck yourself. Oh, good. I'm, there you go. Hang on, carry on. I'm just going to write that down. Okay, brilliant. Uh, no, the reason I was going to say, Terry, is I watched a one of your uh, comedies this oh. week. Uh, I, I watched from? an episode of The Mighty Boosh. Why? You Why? Not, I First mean, of all, I, I mean, did. I did see you tweet about this. Yeah. Um, well, no, actually, I saw Nick D'Amelio in a Vampire magazine tweet about this yeah. in reference to you. 
Um, but I'm very, very, very intrigued to hear why you decided yes. to start there. Someone yes. recommended it to me. Who? Who? They, they thought it would be good. A, a friend woman. of mine said that they a thought date. it would be funny. Was it a date? <laughs> they said. <laughs> <laughs> someone said they found it very funny. I should watch it. I watched it. I, I mean, I say watched it. I watched bits of it. There was a man with a silly haircut who looked like he was out of a 90s boy band. And then someone, and he started talking to a snake. And then some people dressed and some people who seemed to be weird cross between human animal mutants were having a dance off and then started rapping and at that point I took a drill and drilled into the side of my skull until blessed unconsciousness took me they don't know you at all because there is the mighty boot yeah. and there is James yeah. Dyer's taste yeah. and never the twain shall yeah. meet it's probably amongst the last thing I would ever recommend for you yeah You've seen League, right? You've seen League of Gentlemen. I, 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 again, I watched a bit of it and was horrified and yeah, stopped. You see, all of that kind of surrealist mm. stuff is so far away from anything you like. Mm. Um, oh, my God, I wish... Could, did you tape yourself watching it? No. Oh, but, watch yeah, along with James. Obvious. Yeah, that's a good idea. Watch along with yeah. James. Empire's Who's Nick like DeSemlin was having a Twitter conversation with Peep Show creator Sam Bain last night about why I don't understand comedy. <laughs> and I was just spectating it. He's like, I think something inside him's broken. Like, well, yeah, but that, I think that's unrelated. I like the idea of watching you watching these things. Dyer Box. Dyer's, yeah. D- James Dyer's Goggle Box. It's like a whole show of just you sitting there muttering to yourself yeah, about how this stuff is. There may be a funny. documentary. I don't yeah. know why. I just, I just, it's just so far from but my the, sense of humor. The Mighty Boosh is such. It's an extremely Marmite show. It's, it's not a show. I mean, Terry's right. You know, it's not. I, I'm not a huge fan of The Mighty Boosh. I love the people in it. And I love actually ev- everything they've done subsequently. I like more than The Mighty Boosh itself. The Mighty Boosh is a really weird, you know, BBC Two. BBC, at one point, The Mighty Boosh was on about six. 30 of an evening on BBC Two because they kind of didn't know where to put it. Yeah. It's like this weird, sur- yeah, very, very self-consciously mm. quirky, surreal thing. And like, that's definitely not your bag. No. I know, as, as Terry says, it's, you know, so that's right. just ridiculous like, that you Nick, should be watching that. Nick. So, um, can we ask the pilot TV readers to recommend to James? So, if you have a comedy that mm. knowing James Dyer over the course of the last few months hosting yep. this very podcast, you think he would enjoy knowing what we all know about him, and I think we can all agree it's quite a clear character sketch, then please do tweet him. What's your Twitter handle, James? At James C. Dyer. At James C. Dyer. With recommendations, uh, please do tag in the pilot um, TV Twitter handle, and let's get a watch list, comedy watch list together for yeah. James. All right, here's a challenge I'm going to set for the pilot TV audience. I will put aside the other show that I'm watching and I will I will commit to watching one episode of no more than half an hour each week of a comedy show this to see good. if I find okay. it funny. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm so, gonna, I've got loads of suggestions. So everyone can set me. So yeah. you can set me. I recommend okay. me a show, and I will watch one. In fact, recommend me a specific episode if you yes. like, and I will no, watch it has that. To be the episode. Yeah. And I will yeah, watch that episode before, yeah. now, and then I will explain to you in excruciating detail why it's not funny. Oh my god, we just came up with a new segment. It's a new can regular. I just say, this new segment is like is has already gone in above banshee. We need a name mind. for it. We'll come up with a name for it for next week, and yeah. but that will be that will be the new. Make James laugh. Make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 good it. luck. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, let's see Find how that James goes. Find James's funny bone. Well, uh, before we get on to this week's news, we once again have a listener question, which is oh, exciting. Oh. Kimberly at Koala Vacation says, "Thanks so much for recommending Russian Doll. Already binged the whole season. Also, for the podcast host, what TV show would you like to be a part of, past or present? Is that just for you? 
No. I'm, the podcast everyone. host. Hosts, plural. Oh. All of us. Oh. A group. It'd be weird if James is the only one yeah. allowed to yeah. answer it. Just Please, James. Strict, ignore the others. Strict rule. Yeah. Well, my answer is partly as well. Uh, my first suggestion for what you should watch in our new feature, James Watches Comedy, or whatever the <laughs> effort's going to be, um, which is Seinfeld. I would always, from the very first time I got in, into Seinfeld, Back in the in the nineties, when it was the biggest show on American television, um, I wanted to be in it, and I felt I could take the place of George as a short bald man, as a sh- <laughs> short stocky bald man. Who is me? You are. Yeah, I'm very short. You may not have noticed. Boyd. Yeah, and bald. Um, so I could have taken George's place and just hung out with Jerry Seinfeld and Elaine, Elaine, the greatest character in the history of comedy. Yes. Um, and it would have been a dream come true. Just sit there in the diner, chewing, talking shit, kind of a bit like this podcast, but with <laughs> you know diner food and even high levels of wit, talking about the minutiae of everyday life. I've seen one episode of Seinfeld. Which episode have you seen? No, I've seen two episodes oh, okay. of Seinfeld. I've seen the very first one. Oh, no. And I've seen the very last one. Oh, no. Well, that says it all, because they're both <laughs> deeply flawed. So I immediately throw in uh, the contest. Just find the contest, watch that, and get back to me. All right. All right, that sounds like a... That sounds Which like is a, a contest as who can go the uh, longest without masturbating. That's what the storyline is of that episode. Life-changing. Okay. Um, so I uh, always thought that I should be in Buffy um, as a brand new character, because at school, it may surprise you to hear people that I was incredibly chronically shy. I had a stutter. I wore massive jam jar glasses. I was like an obsessive reader, like head girl, everything, totally irritating. I had no friends. And I always thought what Buffy was lacking was, because kind of, there was Willow, obviously, but who was studious and, you know, and still managed to get, like, boyfriends and then girlfriends, girlfriends. and was mm. cool. Yeah, she I was really be, cool, really. She yeah. was really cool, really. Yeah. I thought what they actually needed was a desperately uncool, yes. proper uncool person. Yeah. Um, and I always thought that I could take that role and I'd sort of be, you know, on the sliding scale, it would go Buffy, Willow of coolness and then me at the end. But then after kind of two seasons, I would be under their wings, in their folds. I'd have been made cool by association. Buffy would have lent me one of her leather jackets <laughs> and would have let me go and help her um, do her watching. And I thought, you know what? Where, what was I going to say? I was just going to say something. <laughs> I had like a big crescendo <laughs> in my it. mind. We are waiting for the point. I, I had my big cre- anyway, so that's what I should have been. And then um, I would have gone out with Xander <laughs> and I wouldn't have left him at the altar. And I'd have been in Buffy Legend forever. Wow. I'd like to have seen that, yeah. Tufty. Yeah. You were so going to be an evil slayer. I'm sorry. Why? That, no, no. I wasn't. I... Evil slayer. Why evil slayer. Why am I the fucking evil slayer? I mean, why are you the evil slayer? I couldn't tell you, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go back in time to be able to see you in that, in that, how you were at that point in your life. Yeah, that, that different version of you. <laughs> different. And I had a perm as well. See, wow, a I, perm. This is one of the things where Incredible. I would like to say that I'd be Spike before he got rapey, but before he sexually assaulted Buffy yeah, in the bathroom. But I think we all know I'm Giles. You wish you were Giles. Yeah, you Don't wish, give me yeah. that. I love how we constantly yeah, 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 yeah. saying, "Oh, we all know I'm Giles." Yeah, you Just because you're posh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> be Giles was cool AF. Yeah, I, I think you're fine. Ripper Giles. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's me. Uh, no, well, my answer to this obviously is the West Wing, but honestly, I think everyone's answer to this should be the West Wing because if we mm. lived in the world of the West Wing, I think we'd all be a thousand percent happier. Which uh, job would you like know. to have in the West yeah. Wing? Yeah. I, I always I like to think I've got a lot of Toby in me. I think that's uh, true. I think that shows a certain amount of self awareness because yeah. Toby was so ridiculously uncompromising and was a twat <laughs> quite a lot of the time. I love Toby. He's my spirit animal. Well, let's um, be honest. James likes many things, but not 
self-awareness. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that's that, his main that redeem, redeeming feature. Redeeming feature. Um, yeah. So yes, Toby in the West Wing. Although, although, and this is absolutely true. I like Terry. Very no, no, no. Hold, Boyd. I can see your disbelief in your eyes. This is, don't, don't. Absolutely, I was equally uncool. Uh, before, no. before I grew my hair, got long hair and became a grunge kid, but that's a whole other thing. But I um, I was equally uncool and I used to be obsessed. I mean, still am, but I used to be properly obsessed with Star Trek. So much so that I used to really? fantasize. I, did you say what? Used I like the way you... That was like a revelation. <laughs> well, no. That I, I passed, apparently. I yeah. used to fantasize about living in that world. So like when I was having a bad time, I used to disappear to my happy place. And my happy place was like Aww. living on like the Enterprise D. Aww, like, that was the thing. And I had the Star Trek Enterprise D technical manual. Of course you did. And Do you so, know what? I think I might have had that as well. It was well. purple. It was like Burgundy. I love Star Trek. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to like, I used to look for all the little schematics yes, of like yes. the Jeffrey's Yeah, I think I had that as well. And everything. Yeah. And I used to wonder, oh, it'd be great to live there. Like, you know yeah. how people sometimes have like a blueprint of their dream house? Yeah. Like in, like in Hunting of Hill House. <laughs> yes. You know, they have that their yes. dream house model. I had the Enterprise D technical manual and yeah. that was my dream house. Oh, fair oh. enough. Yeah. But what you, but you've given two answers. So you'd like to be in Star Trek and the West Wing. But yeah. Yeah. You have to pick one. Uh, oh, that's 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 tricky. Yeah. If I had to pick one of the two, I mean, I frankly, I think you'd be more at home in Star Trek. I think you're right. I'm just I think, but <laughs> I don't think you're going to fit in in the West Wing. See, the thing is, even though Deep Space Nine is obviously, objectively, the best Star Trek, I found that the uh, Cardassian aesthetic of Deep Space Nine itself, aka Terak Nor, the Cardassian station, was uh, a little too Spartan for my tastes. Just to inform you, Terry has zoned out and is yeah. doing Terry's like, emails. no, I've had enough. I'm done. Yeah. I'm doing an Instagram story about how bored I am listening to James talk about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically every week on this podcast. See, the problem is the listeners have enabled me because I thought, oh God, am I putting people off? Because someone on one of the iTunes comments put, oh, well, James, stop banging on about Star Trek. But then, of course, this outpouring of love over the expanse has led me to believe that my people have found me. So outpouring of love. Yes. I mean, they certainly exactly. have found you. Yeah. There you go. Should we do some news that isn't about Star Trek? Yes. I want to start about killing oh, Eve. Oh, yeah. Go on. Um, so everybody lost their mind, mainly because they didn't realise it was. Uh, uh, for the US yeah. series, everyone thought. I think thought it meant we were uh, getting a dated UK release of the BBC, which we still don't have. Um, it is in the states, Boyd, April. I yeah. would say fifteenth. Oh no! Yeah. I may be making it up. We'll we'll check that I'll as check I that. talk. Um, <laughs> oh, just a fantastic trailer. So it's a kind of a slow down, folksy, acoustic-y version of Addicted to Love. Um, and it it seems to have pivoted slightly. Obviously, the cat and mouse game between Villanelle and Eve was always two, a two-way street, and, and it was a really interesting shift in power dynamic. Uh, from the looks of this, because obviously we know that at the end of season one, um, Eve obviously um, stabbed Villanelle. So um, she it picks up in real time, clearly, and she's gone off to kind of recuperate somewhere. You can't really tell where she is. And it looks like Eve is now do, the one doing the hunting. But <laughs> it's beautifully and brilliantly still the tone because within the first 10 seconds of this trailer, which is online at empireonline.com, if you want to see it, she she's on the phone having this highly sensitive conversation saying, I found... Um, uh, Villanelle and I think I might have killed her and then you, you see her pause and turn around and there's a couple, a man proposing to his girlfriend next to her and she goes oh, um, congratulations and walks off, it's that brilliant clashing of tones and worlds that we loved so love so much um, April 7 April 7 in the, US. in the US, so we're hoping a few weeks I after mean, here, right? We, you have to What hope. are they doing? This is classic BBC though, they will not confirm stuff, they just don't operate in that way, so you know for the, and it's, sometimes they don't they don't actually confirm when stuff is on until 
10 days before it goes out. This is my life. I have to deal with this on a weekly basis. And they don't change the rules. Even if it's like one of their biggest hits, one of the most iconic shows they've had in recent years, they still will not change their mind. So I've been trying to get, you know, and they, and they just genuinely don't know. The people I speak to, they're like, well, you know, we want to, sh- everyone thinks it should be shown sooner than it was last time after the American premiere, but we're not sure, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's got to be. It's got to be. I'm predicting within four weeks of it. Well, let's hope. That's my let's prediction. Hope. I'm very much looking forward but to that. But it was an excellent But the trailer trailers. was so, exactly. Yeah. It just, when a trailer captures what kind of what the brilliance, the style and the tone of what made the thing brilliant, that's that's all you want, yeah. isn't it? From the, from the yeah. And it yeah, really well, I don't want any significant plot details or anything no, like that. Right. You just yeah. want, it's a, it's yeah. a scene set, right? And you couldn't really tell anything that was going on. Right. And it was very, very short, actually. But yeah. it was yeah, it's like a yeah, minute. Yeah, think, superbly yeah. done. Yeah. Mm. Can't wait. And you can read more about Killing Eve in the new issue of Pilot TV. You can. Which will be arriving on newsstands. Uh, next Thursday. Well, uh, this, this Thursday. This Thursday. Oh. This Thursday, the um, 21st of February. 21st of February, which is the, it's issue two, but it's technically the third issue of Pilot TV. It is included in the new issue of Empire Magazine on sale on all good and evil news agents from Thursday. Do pick up a copy. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, what, what exciting things will people find inside Terry? Uh, well, it is, as you say, our third issue, and we have uh, Killing Eve is actually leading our big spring preview on the mm. cover. We kind of threw in our chips and presumed we would be getting it this spring. Um, also in there, um, Boyd did a fantastic interview with Jed Mercurio from Line oh, Juicy. Did, yes. um, we have um, something about a story about the new season of Fleabag. There is a big feature on Shane Meadows' new Channel 4 show, The Virtues. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a brilliant uh, Sopranos retrospective, tw- 20 years on, looking at how Tony, the character of Tony, changed um, uh, TV forever. And that was speaking to a lot of original cast and crew. Um, it is a belter of an issue, James. There is a great Richard Gere interview as well. The, oh, yes. the big interview with Richard yes. Gere from Mother, Father, Son, which is part, links into my other news, which is I, I, I hosted the screening of that this week with some of the cast. Not did Richard Gere. Dickie Gere did not come over, but Helen McCrory was there and Billy Howe and mm. the creator Tom Rob Smith. And I've watched the first three episodes. We will be reviewing it when it arrives um, kind of early March-ish. But all I can say is, fucking hell, you are in for some shocking Oh, television. really? Yes. Ooh. It's shocking Exciting. and disturbing and it goes places, honestly, that I've never seen before on TV. That's, oh. my, that's my promise to you. Also in that issue, we have, uh, we have a floor plan of 221B Baker Street for Sherlock. Uh, there's a nice piece on Studio 16, The Sunset Strip. Terry looks at the wonder that was Sex and the City. We look at the top 10 episodes of 24 as well. And uh, we have a lovely in-depth piece looking at one of the greatest TV shows ever made, The Leftovers. So yeah. that is the well, new issue lot, of Pirate it? TV. It is packed. It packed. is absolutely packed. packed with awesome stuff. It is packed. And it's worth saying um, that it is, uh, as you say, being given away with Empire, and Empire has Game of Thrones on the cover mm. in our very first yes. in our thirty-year history wow. TV cover. So it is a big special issue. Yeah, it's if almost like, like pilots taking over the it world. Is. Yes, if you yes. like telly even remotely, yeah, you're going to want to get your send out and shop. Pick it up on sale Thursday. Uh, non-pilot related but something I'm very excited about there's been a little bit of an update on Vince Gilligan's Breaking Bad movie oh, yeah. which is yeah, quite exciting so this exciting. is going to be heading to Netflix and AMC this is not a shock AMC obviously gave birth to Breaking Bad but Netflix was the thing that kind of pushed it out globally uh, and seriously increased its its viewership we think we know a little bit about this movie it is believed 
to be a sequel which will focus on Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul, and sort of find out what happened to him happened to him after the events of Breaking Bad. So it seems unlikely it's going to tie in to Better Call Saul, though I would be astonished if Bob Odenkirk didn't turn up in some capacity mm. as Saul Goodman. But I don't think the timelines for, for that show and this film are going to cross over. No. But this is really, really exciting. So you've got the Many States of Newark coming out. You've got the uh, the Deadwood movie is coming out. You've got Breaking Bad movie coming out. This is, you know, it's it good is exciting, yeah. And it's going to, interesting, going to premiere on Netflix, I believe, globally, and then go on AMC rather than the other oh, way around. So, yeah, I think they're kind of aware of the fact that this is such an exciting prospect, a Breaking Bad actual film sequel picking up where events left off that it needs to go to everyone first because yeah. obviously there was a slight delay when it, yeah, when yeah, AMC yeah. had it first and then out the Netflix people the rest of the world so that the whole thing I couldn't be more excited yeah. very very good stuff did, did you I'm see not, gone no 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 go after you sir did you see the news about the good omens confirmation um that it's going to arrive may 31st this is the uh, neil gaiman um mm. nerd fest with benedict cumberbatch as with the benedict devil. cumberbatch as the voice of the devil, yes. So I don't think you're going to see him, but the devil is going to be this massive, huge CGI thing, mm. apparently, that's like hundreds of feet big. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you, are you are you slightly worried about this show? Slightly worried about the massive CGI Satan. Okay. Well, well, you know. I think not enough films have, uh, I mean, or, t- or TV shows have uh, uh, a massive CGI. Statement. I'm still intrigued by this whole thing because the cast is incredible: David Tennant, Michael Sheen, Francis McDormand, John Hamm, Michael McKean. Mm. It, it, everyone in it is brilliant, and I they did show clips of that Amazon Prime kind of thing they had. They had a big kind of like. Um, kind of showcase of their new stuff late last year and the clips looked very well the tone of it looked good it was like funny sarcastic um comedy mixed with a kind of fantastical special Mm. effects thing going on so i am excited about it i think it's interesting and they've kept this launch date by the way under wraps almost as long as the bbc (laughs) has kept the killing eve season two launched under wraps they just wouldn't tell us when the hell it was going to be on but it's going to be made that noise you hear is boys bbc acts grinding yeah uh yes did anyone else am i the only one who didn't know that Grey's anatomy was a still going but in its 15th (laughs) year and has cast amy acker aka fred from angel uh as derek shepherd's fourth sister well i didn't know the what? latter bit but i yeah. knew they were still going yeah. what's happening with you getting into these weird american i don't watch it i stopped watching i i know i watched Grey's anatomy for a long time but i stopped the musical episode pushed me over the edge uh, remember when callie yeah. is in an accident and there's a whole thing and oh. there's a and i was just like do you know what this is not once more with feeling fuck off when mcdreamy died it was just game over yeah but they still like. had mcsteamy Oh, no, who gives a fuck about me theme? <laughs> um, I want to talk about a uh, bit of weirdly Scott and Bailey news. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Yes, yes this is exciting. Yes. So, Amelia Bulmore is one of the probably most recognisable British act- actors, but she's one of those people you're like, what did I see her in? She's never kind of mm. really barged through to being a household name, but she is an incredible actor. And screenwriter and playwright. She's been in um, I'm Alan Partridge. She was in Scott and Bailey as the boss. She wrote for This Life. Um, she wrote Scott and Bailey. She was in Corrie for a bit. Um, but she is going to um, both write and I think star in, right? I think um, so. Uh, think yeah. a, a new female-led crime drama called Tracers. It's been commissioned for a six-part series on Alibi. Um, and it's actually based on the work of Val McDermott, who's obviously, I think, pretty much the best-selling crime author in this country. It's she. I think it's about three um, forensic scientists um, and it's about how they try and come together to solve a murder case. Three female leads 
um, that they've um, they haven't announced he'll be playing all three, but mm. it will be built around three female leads, and it'll be towards the end of um, this year when it airs. But I think she is incredible. She is really, really great, um, and she's clearly an amazing writer as well. Yeah, she's. I'm really excited about this as well. She's fantastic, um, and she she wrote some. Scott and Bailey was a great, great show. Yeah, wasn't it? the it was, writing was was fantastic, fantastic. Exactly, and she wrote a lot of its best, very best episodes. And it's also being produced by Red, um, the Nicholas Schindler's production company, Red, who you know made Queer as Folk and made yeah. most of Russell T Davis's shows. They're incredible. They are. It's like a it's like a, a byword for quality British TV drama. So it is really exciting. I think. And Val McDermott's a hero. Yeah. Of course. We mentioned uh, the Deadwood movie very, very briefly before, but I will say two things have happened. One, it's going to debut on HBO this spring, so Ooh. it's quite imminent. Wow. And second of all, Ian McShane, who I love because he absolutely cannot keep his mouth shut. Do you remember when he, yes. they said to him, don't tell anyone about the plot of Game of Thrones? And he just didn't care. Uh, he's been talking about the Deadwood movie, and he says, I think he told Deadline this, Deadwood, the city, the, the, the town, is celebrating South Dakota as a state and Hearst has come back and Alma has come back in town. So you have all the main characters converging and how they changed in 10 years. Now Hearst wants to put telegraphs in town, which isn't going too well. Uh, Al has had a little bit too much of that over the years. There's a surprise for Trixie and Star. There you oh. go. A little tidbit there for the Deadwood movie. Lovely. In, in t- t- Taking on your musical episode of Grey's Anatomy thing, yep. did you hear about the Transparent? What's happening with Transparent? Have you heard about this? Mm, no. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah. yeah. So Transparent, which is I still still think is the best thing ever on Amazon Prime, it's their absolute golden best thing. Uh, Jill Soloway's study of a transgender mm. um, uh, person. And, of course, it's all been completely... the whole That show's all been fucked over. I'm yeah. trying to find a better way of saying it by the fact that it's main star mm. there are yeah. allegations about it's main star and uh, but what she's doing is Jill Soloway so this, the final season is going to air this year and it's going to end in a musical movie climax transparent now I'm sorry I didn't was not expecting this show because transparent every episode of transparent which is like a little beautifully honed indie movie and very it's realism is the best thing about it in a way that it's kind of and it will veer away from comedy or veer into drama and tragedy um and because it's sticking to authenticity all the way through this kind of depiction of this world um of um people who don't conform necessarily to normal sexual roles and sexualities yeah, they're going to have a big climactic musical. And then she's going to turn into a stage musical. What? Which is even less yes. likely and completely bizarre. So I am... Um, but do you think that is what's led to that final episode idea? Do presumably, you know what I mean? Yeah, presumably, yeah. Presumably, actually... yeah. It's, like a, it's like a way into the fact that it's yeah. going to then become a stage musical. But just the whole musical thing has thrown me, I have to say. But I, I, I await with interest Wow, how it's going to play out. So everything is bleak in the world, but not everything is bleak, Boyd. And let me tell you why. Because Planet Earth 3... And Frozen Planet 2 have been announced by BBC America. And that's pretty nice, isn't it? So, you know, before Trump and Brexit wipe out the natural world as we know it, we'll get to see it preserved with presumably Sir David Attenborough talking us through it. And, you know, great. Yeah, we do love so, and that's quite big. It's big news to the BBC because there was this whole thing about they're worried that because Netflix has done a project with um, David Attenborough coming quite soon, and mm. their big kind of like global world, what's happening with the world thing that he's fronting, and so the BBC I think was worried they were going to lose him to Netflix completely. But he's he's steadfast. He's yeah, he's doing new series for the BBC. It's it's good to go. Presumably, if that did happen, though, they'd only tell you about it maybe seven days before. Exactly. It happened, so. yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's that's good. Uh, there's a bit of Marvel news. Uh, sort of Hulu, very vaguely. Oh, don't roll. Right, Terry's man. really excited so, about the Marvel news. Oh, unbelievable. I'm like, like, it's 45 minutes left of the entire podcast to do, like, 
three reviews and Banshee. Fine. I'm going to do it very quickly. <laughs> Hulu may revive the cancelled Marvel Netflix TV shows eventually. There you go. That's all I'm going to say. They very vaguely alluded to it. And they're also doing some animated series which look like they skew slightly younger and slightly funnier. Modoc is potentially coming, which I know Terry's very excited about. Hit Monkey is another one. They're doing Tiger and Monkey Dazzler. Monkey Tennis. Monkey Tennis, yes. The Tiger and Dazzler are getting their own show. Howard the Duck is coming back. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, they're getting, and The Offenders. <laughs> will be coming back so that's a load of did you stuff. say in the beginning of that just to confirm that Hulu's thinking of bringing back those really boring over long <laughs> <laughs> Netflix Marvel shows that is deeply oh, harsh a God, deeply no. harsh assessment uh, kind of like okay. yes right. but maybe not basically okay. they said something along the lines of Marvel has a ton of titles we'd be interested in it just kind of depends on when they're ready and who is going to be like they just yeah, they didn't that. rule it out okay. so well, maybe fine. who knows fine. and that is news and I know that's the end of news because Terry at this point has completely <laughs> left the room basically to go and do other things so should we should we talk reviews now we have an intro we had an interesting pre-pod discussion here where Terry mentioned she profoundly <laughs> profoundly hated one of the three shows we're going to review this week and so it's up to me and Boyd to guess which one it is now I enjoyed one of them I thought another one was pretty good and yeah. I thought the third one was unequivocal bullshit okay. uh now i suspect the one i enjoyed is the one that terry hates so let's begin with flack <laughs> which is about anna Paquin, who stars as a publicist who's adept at keeping her clients lives appearing perfect while her own personal life falls to pieces it's a bit like ray donovan but with fewer people's heads getting staved in she's a pr fixer uh this made me giggle terry tell us how much you liked it um, okay, so I should just start by saying um, I always hate um, shitting all over a show because people have worked on it. It's, you know, people really fucking give their all to this stuff. However, this you quite rightly identify <laughs> as the show that I had such gigantic issues with I would have stopped watching it had um, I not been watching it for this very podcast. So as you said, it's Anna Paquin as a um, publicist, an American publicist living in London. It's called Flack because that is a North American word for publicist. Um, and did you just learn something? I did. I, I didn't saw know your that. head turn. That's I great. Love teaching. I, I love didn't know that. Something. Um, so, um, and basically her job is to ensure her clients stay out of the headlines. So when they've done something wrong, she has to smooth it over through any number of awful means. Um, you're meant to believe that her professional life is all kind of, you know, she's in charge. She's completely dominant and cool. And then her personal life is obviously, you know, spiralling out of control. Um, now, I had so many issues with this. And can we just, first of all, recognise that Anna Paquin is is possibly, you know, was one of the greatest child actors mm. winning yeah. an Oscar for it. Yeah, um, yeah X-Men 2 was amazing. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but this, I mean, first of all, the basic premise, right? Maybe this would have been relevant in 1997, 1998. The world in which we live in now is very different. Apparently not in the 2019 depicted on this show where where newspapers still run the world, where your main job is to try and keep people out of, you know, page one of the sun, when actually, you know, thanks to social media, nobody buys newspapers anymore and everything's all over social media anyway. So the premise is weird. It's really dated back to the days of Max Clifford and dirty deals with tabloid editors 
performance. And the whole setup, like it's so contrived. The performances are really wooden and pretty terrible. There's an intern in the office and her and her colleague are total bitches to her. They like, one of them makes her do Tinder for her and they don't pay her. And then they trust her to do this incredibly sensitive, massive deal around some dodgy pictures that absolutely must not end up in the papers. Um, it's it's all of these tr terrible tropes around women in the workplace and powerful women. And I think we're in a really amazing time for female written leads and complex female characters. And I imagine what they're trying to do is go, we're going to show a really complicated woman and we're not, we're not going to worry about the fact that women are meant to be seen as X, Y and Z. For me, all they're doing all the way through is reinforcing those tropes. There is a detail towards the end of the, sh of the episode, which we won't reveal, that is meant to give some kind of emotional context or justification or reasoning for why she's so broken because you know all women in powerful jobs fundamentally are broken inside you know just masking <laughs> the personal pain they're juggling um there's some of the writing in it they clearly think they're being incredibly provocative there's a scandal with a 15 year old prostitute and they're like oh you know pedo stories are all over the place these days pedo stories pedo stories. like it's it's quite offensive in many ways and it's working so hard to de deconstruct typical female narratives and characters that it just feels really old school really traditional um the whole setup as i say of this like we haven't seen the damaged tortured career woman on screen about 75 million times uh, i just i like i hated it i've I really really as a woman i found a lot of it offensive um, and I felt like it actually just took us backwards in terms of female representation on screen. That's a four-star recommendation from <laughs> Terry White. Boyd, what do you think? I, I have to say I agree, and I'm really gutted because, I mean, I, 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 mean, I you know, transparency, because I, I get sent all of the details of all new shows, so I tend to suggest what we're going to review. And this has been flagged, this show has been flagged by, so it's a UK TV production, um, I think a co-production with an American channel um but it's a flagship it's a big flagship show for the w channel which is what it's going to be on here um and they did a pretty good show towards the end of last year which was co-created by co-created by sean Hogan's production company which is a pretty decent um kind of comedy drama show so i think it's good that they're creating their own stuff basically their own scripted you know quite ambitious stuff and they flagged this like i think they had a screening for it before christmas you know to kind of get people excited i didn't make that screening but you know i've been excited about the prospect of this show for ages and ages, I thought, well, you know, a look at the world of PR. PR. I mean, Terry's right about how dated it is, but there is PR still exists as a thing, and crisis management still exists as a thing. But in it all, be it right, and in a completely different way. So I was hoping it kind of it would be about partly yeah. what it's like now, because it is different now. Yeah. But it was not, and it was like watching, and kind of an episode of Footballers' Wives. Yes. Or something. Because like, it actually starts with an incredibly cliched um, opening where you're supposed to show how amazingly forceful she is as this flack dealing with a crisis, which is this secretly gay footballer shags some dude in a, in a luxury hotel and she comes in and they've all had drugs and she comes in to fix it all. And if, that opening, I thought, well, that, this is all a bit stereotypical cliche. Maybe, maybe it'll move on from it. And it just never does. Really. It's got that dialogue faux witty dialogue yes that's what it's yes, got so contrived so you look at you, you what and you watch and i couldn't get for killing eve out of my mind yeah funny enough. me too me too so i was thinking what well, killing eve you know written by phoebe waller bridge and others that's real witty dialogue where people are saying stuff that's heightened um and, and is funny 
but they're saying but it actually also is believable because it's like people are observing what's going on about them they're finding a funny way of saying stuff this as you say this is people just trying to shock each other by talking about pedos and stuff and that's not witty it's not actually witty dialogue at all and it's not no one ever says anything in this show which kind of makes you think for a minute or surprises you it's really disappointing and i'm gutted because i really 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 want to like it and i'm not one of and i think terry's got a very important point has to be said is it is created by dudes this is written and created by a man it's directed by and normal and i'm not one of those i don't think any of us are i think you know when you see a great show i mean actually a lot of some of kenny was written by men and directed by blah 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 even though it's got female, you know, it's adapted from a, dude, yeah. a bloke's um, novels, etc. Yeah. So I'm not insisting that's a hard and fast rule, but I did feel this was particularly notably coming, I felt, and bloke's idea of what a woman, mm. a, a strong woman is. I, I as, agree a woman, as a woman, I didn't see, as a fairly, I think, complex woman, I didn't recognise any of myself no. in any of the women on screen. Mm. They felt like complete, as you say, ideas about what people think women are and what complicated women are. But I don't know any woman like any of those In women. particular, there's a moment where she gives an angry monologue to Max yeah. Beasley oh. in oh the doorway God. of the bedroom. Oh and yeah. it felt like this is a man who's been scrolling through the Me Too hashtag on Twitter and writing dialogue really based yeah. on that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I agree with you entirely. It felt very much like a dude's eye view of women's dialogue in the, in the complete opposite way that Killing Eve is yeah. so very naturally believably female yeah but but you I, liked it i did quite like it oh. like, i don't know why i might have been delirious what with did you like about it i just it? found it quite funny like it made me laugh on a couple of points like it just made me giggle uh only not in the not in a this is in any way believable kind of way but in like because the characters were quite you know uh archetypal cutouts especially like her you know the colleague at work oh, yeah. uh, you know but again sub devil wears prada yeah. you know bullshit and the tinder stuff again i just found it a little like it amused me it made me smile it definitely wasn't a high art but i did quite enjoy it i probably enjoyed it more than any of the other ones this week oh my god no <laughs> but only no enjoy i'm not saying it's better although it's definitely better than one of them but yeah it, it made me laugh. i don't think it's 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 mildly entertaining slightly hateful uh <laughs> It's a weird. It's got. I've maybe got an abusive relationship with this show. Where it made me laugh, but I also it was like hate laughing. But but and but boy's right. I was out of the three um, we were given to watch this week. This is the one I was most excited by. It's got like, mm. an amazing caliber. Yeah. You, you don't. There should be no reason it ended up as it did, and it's so stilted in places. You you're conscious the entire time that you are watching a TV show. You are so yeah. far out of your own skin. It's like... It's got, yeah, it's got a great cast. It's got Sophie Okonedo. Yeah, you know, who Sophie is Okonedo. incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And he's awful in this. Rufus Jones, whose new show starts soon, which I love. I love him. Wasted, totally wasted in it. I th- it's really weird. It's, dis- it's Bradley Whitford's in one episode coming up. I, I saw that, which yeah. is one of the reasons I thought this was going to yeah. be amazing. Wow. It's a shame. So that is Flack, which airs on W, a channel I've never heard of. <laughs> Where, what that? What is a W boy? W Explain is on UK TV. Right. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of women. It's a channel aimed at women, really. I think that's that's oh, what it's going to go down. Brilliant. I mean, not then. entirely, but you know, that was definitely its starting off <laughs> yeah. point. I think. And so, Flack on, on W and Thursday, uh, February twenty first, ten p.m. If you want Thursday, to check it out for yourself, February twenty first, ten p.m. You'll either find it gently amusing or want it to die with fire. Next up, we have Curfew, which is a Style One slash Now TV production, which stars, oh, good God, Sean Bean in a post-apocalyptic, post-Brexit, presumably, future where everyone lives under curfew and there's a bunch of amateur drivers from all over the world. It's the Fast and the Furious meets Brexit meets Sean Bean. <laughs> and it is 
just dreadful. Whoa. I had Whoa. I had Fast and Furious meets The Purge meets Mad Max. Yeah. yeah. And then take away all the good stuff. <laughs> with a bit of Walking Dead thrown in. With, with the zombie, kind of zombies oh, as well. What the fuck was this all about? <laughs> just like... Honestly, like my tolerance for shit television, as we've established, is pretty high. But there was a bit oh. early on with this where there's a car chase, which suddenly turns into the least convincing bit of CGI physics I've ever seen as a fake car that like pulls a fucking bootleg turn on a bridge. I was like, you, you couldn't afford to hire a car and like get someone to drive it. What is happening? I thought that was the best bit. Oh my god. Um, what? But this cast, though, again, Sean Bean, I know. Yeah. Adam I know. Brody, I know. Um, Andy Osho, Miranda. Richardson, Richardson. Yeah. Um, what's happening? Adrian Billy Zane, <laughs> Adrian Lester. It's weird. Phoebe Fox. They are really good people. Really good. Really people good in this. people. Robert Glenister, Malachi Kirby. I mean, and yet, yeah, and yet, I, I mean, didn't a... hate it. Right, <gasps> I did not hate it. So here's my. This is your flack. <laughs> it's my flack. I mean, I think partly I watched it after flack, so I was like, oh god, this better be because again, this is a big. This is a big budget huge production thing for sky one and they're hoping you know it's in their showcase friday night nine o'clock drama slot um and i think they're hoping it's going to appeal you know to it's going to have a broad appeal i think it actually might be a quite big hit for them because i think people do like watching they are there are slight sky one is slightly obsessed with mad max s car based shows they had a that, like a reality series about people in cars hitting each other like like they do in Mad Max. And this is like the drama version of that, the dystopian sci-fi drama version of that. It's a bonkers premise. It's an insane premise. And which, by the way, I didn't believe for a second. Why? So the government, there's, yeah. this, there's this government that's forcing people to not go out at night with the curfew. Yeah. But they allow them, they encourage them to gather in this race, these cars at night, to compete to get to this fantasy world that may or may not exist where they can escape from it all. The Encouraged by the government, though. And I was like, why would they do that? I didn't get what the whole point of that ex- kind of extraordinarily contrived exercise to bring in this car race element. I, I, it was completely bizarre. I, I believe the race is brought in as an alternative to the backstop. Like, right. that's, that was true. That's <laughs> right. big plan. It's so the backstop. Yeah, this is what's Maybe happening. this can be mm. how we can cure Brexit, is to yeah. bring in the race. We can yeah. race. We can have a Instead race. Instead of between. a backstop, right. we're going to race. So it is an extraordinarily ridiculous premise that doesn't make any sense whatsoever there's clearly an excuse to have zombies who are who are kind of running around fast zombies um who are attacking the people in these vehicles like they are in mad max but you know what i thought it was harmlessly fun silly with a a-list cast of like mm. really good actors thrown in i thought like you know sean bean seems to be having a quite good time i mean i'm not you know it was fairly shit okay but i didn't hate it and i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed flack that's all i can say i mean it was nonsense (laughs) and i think the the, i mean the premise i i kept picturing in my head what miranda richardson must have thought when when this came across her desk and she's like oh this script looks interesting oh there's a uh the country's controlled by a curfew set by the government and people go out at night and rail against the totalitarian government by having illegal street car races um I mean, you know, this there is. I think they want it to feel zeitgeisty because it's like this dystopian society where chaos reigns and the government are pushed to totalitarian means to try and control everybody. Um, 
Um, what does that mean for freedom? I think it tries in some weird way to answer kind of big existential questions. <laughs> what is freedom and, and would you sacrifice freedom for mm. safety and should we ever sacrifice freedom for safety? But actually it's just ridic- it's ridiculous nonsense. Um, uh, I did not like it. Um, I would not recommend it. I will not be watching it. <laughs> I agree with all of these things. Yes, it's it's not good really on any level uh, but it has good people in it and if you want to be you know if you want to watch something and make Brexit jokes then obviously this is as good a one as any to do with that so that is Curfew and it debuts on Sky One slash Now TV when Boyd? Friday 22nd Friday the 9 22nd 9pm which is after Curfew so, <laughs> it's after Curfew there you go finally this week the uh in the quality show this week. This is Channel 4's Traitors, which stars Emma Appleton as a British civil surgeon who agrees to spy on her own government for the Americans just after the end of World War Two. This also has some good people in it. Lots of good people. It's got Luke Treadway in it. It's got Keely Hawes in it. It's got Greg McHugh, who I really, really like. Uh, it's got Owen Teal from Game of Thrones. I mean, it's, it's again, it's great. And, yeah, th- I mean, I thought this was good. You know, it was, it was, it was an interesting setup. The only thing I had with this that I maybe struggled a little bit is the lead who is actually played very well by Emma Appleton is a dick <laughs> except unlike yeah. Sharon Horgan's character in Catastrophe she's not funny she's just a dick and I found that quite hard to latch on to you I know just... this isn't a comedy though no I'm okay. aware it's yeah. a comedy but <laughs> And I didn't laugh a lot, although it's sometimes Good. I find it hard to tell. Okay. But I just I couldn't like her on any level. And mm. then a lot of the other characters in it aren't very likable. And then I realised I didn't like anyone in it. But it's good. But they're all balanced. I like you didn't like Luke Treadway's character, the the, the socialist, the new oh, socialist. He was very I liked him. wet, and it was just a bit like I no, I didn't, I didn't like him at no, all. Okay, well you're wrong. I liked him. <laughs> um, I think this is a really interesting project because it's. So we should say this, it started on the Sunday after uh, we'd come out on the Monday, but we didn't have room for it last week, and I didn't wasn't told it was on the Sunday until the last Boy minute. Boy got the date wrong. I got wrong. the date wrong, all right, everyone? <laughs> we should have told, but excuse that. It's on Sundays on Channel 4. Anyway, I think it's a really interesting project, and it's it's you know it's kind of what Channel... If Channel 4 is going to do a period drama, mm. and you know part of me thinks they should stick to contemporary stuff, and, but having a period drama about all about the rise of socialism after the war in this country and how Americans Americans secretly tried to stop it and thought that the British government was being infiltrated by communists is a really interesting thing mm. to dramatise. And it's bold. I think it's bold and brave to have this main character as this posh Tory woman who's spying on the socialists, on, the, on let's face it, the good guys who are creating the welfare state <laughs> after the war, um, as personified by Luke Treadaway's character, who is perfectly likeable, by the way. Very well. Um, and we'll see more of him as as it goes on um i think it's a really because I, I have not seen this pe- period of uh history and that particular idea of people spying the traitoring that's going on is people being traitors towards their own um, left-wing government it's fascinating and I, i'm really so i'm kind of intrinsically drawn to it and it didn't let me down i thought it was really you might have been expecting it to be slightly more thrillerish maybe because of the yeah. trailer and the title gone look Treadaway's character just a point on this this is a man whose first address as an mp to the commons he yeah. uses to make passag comments to the girl he's trying to shag it's like well, he's not a likable no, character only partly that's and I, fine but to your point I, yeah. I think it's set it up as a thriller in the first five minutes yeah, or so it does really yeah. kind of you think that's what you're going to get and yeah. then it kind of steps away from that i thought this was perfectly fine i i came because i really didn't like the other two i was like oh 
do I really like this? If if I take everything else out of it, um, it's shot beautifully. Um, I think Emma Appleton is really mm. um, compelling. Um, the writing's great. I mean, we should say it's got um, Michael Stuhl. I can never say his name. Stuhlbarg, yeah. Stuhlbarg, in, who Who's is great. an extraordinary yeah. actor. Um, and he is brilliant. Uh, and there are obviously contemporary parallels in a way that is much more convincing than, than <laughs> maybe the uh, illegal streetcar racing Sean Bean um, heinous nightmare. But, <laughs> and, but I, thought, I thought it was fine. I thought, thought it was perfectly enjoyable. Um, everything was done well but i mean i wasn't kind of gripped do you know what i mean which i, know, I think, yeah. which I I think it, it yeah. did it got quite quiet quite quickly and there isn't a huge amount of action as as it kind of goes on from that first opening um yeah yeah it was boldly people talking in rooms a lot rather yeah. than yeah. much because action yeah. i was expecting to be a, a le carré on if you will you know uh, be very yeah, excited and it isn't that no no uh, and i and 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 that's not as you say, it's not the end of the world, and it is well made, and the production values are fantastic, and it is—it feels like a quality television show um, with a bunch of dicks in it. And uh, I think interesting, by the way, this is created by women. So it's created by the brilliantly named Bash Doran, whose full name is Bathsheba Doran. And I think she—and I think—and it's—I think it's directed mostly by women. I think mm-hmm. it does. You know, that's again without banging on about it. Not everything has to be done that way, but I feel there is an authenticity. I feel to this to this world that she's created well presumably boy do you remember this period of course so, i do yeah. yeah very much so um so yeah you're right it is it isn't it isn't action-packed and it isn't that place but i kind of admired that about it. I st- oh, i'm going to carry on watching it. i really want to know oh so will i you know mm. and it, there's enough enticing stuff at the end of the first episode to pull you in i think to want to know what happens yeah in the kind of next on sort of stuff it yeah. shows you that actually things are going to speed up a little bit and we're going to get into a bit more of the espion- espionage stuff yeah. So, mm. yeah, an interesting one. That is Traitors, which debuts on Channel 4. Well, it has. It has debuted on Channel 4. It's now on every Sunday. Yes. So, you know, we're late to the party. Not that that's anyone's fault, is it, Boyd? No. Can no. I also say one more thing about this TV? In case people, Baptiste also. Baptiste is on at the same time. There's a big drama um, kind of face-off going on Ooh. on Sunday nights now because you've got Baptiste on BBC One, which is the spin-off of um, The Missing. So there are two series of the missing, which created by the same brothers who wrote that, um, and it's really and it's pretty good as well. And if you're if you're into the missing, you will. It's the it's the main character, it's the main detective character. This kind of uh, um, interesting French dude, and there's a whole missing uh, teenage girl plot line going on. And it's it's a, I've seen the first episode. It's really good. Yeah. So that's also so that's another one we missed. Another we should have reviewed. Yeah. Okay, we're doing we can't well. review everything, we're though, James. Well. We can't well. review like six shows a week. All right. <laughs> no, no one has Leave that kind of time. Right, okay. Uh, if uh, I'm sure there are many other shows that Boyd has missed and that Shut you will up. enjoy. <laughs> but should we, should we move on to the Banshee segment? Now, for those who have joined us in the last few weeks and probably don't know why it's called the Banshee segment, this is one from the archive where we pull out a TV show of your to recommend. There are lots of arcane rules as to what does and doesn't qualify that I've never bothered to share with Boyd and Terry, so that doesn't really matter. It's called Banshee because that's one of the first ones we did. Who would like to go first? Terry's reading her email, so I'm going to say, Terry, what's your banshee? <laughs> Come back banshee. to us. Come back to us, I'm Terry. I'm here. I'm in the light. You are not. Um, my I'm banshee is Band of Gold. Oh, I don't yeah. know what that is. I've never I heard see. of it. Oh, this this is entirely the reason I'm recommended it, <laughs> because men like James won't have heard of Band of Gold. <laughs> so Band of Gold was a Isn't British... Isn't it a song by Sting? No. I think you... it might be. Yeah. There's, a, there's a Motown song, Band of Gold. Right. Um, so it's a... Uh, British television crime drama series set mid-90s, or why am I saying set mid-90s? It was shown and set in the mid-90s, created by Kay Meller, 
the legendary Kamela, and it's essentially um, about a, a group of uh, prostitutes who live and work in Bradford's red light district. It had incredible actors in it, Geraldine James, um, Kathy Tyson, Samantha Morton was in it, and it was one of those, I remember it growing up, maybe I shouldn't have been watching it, but it's incredibly well written really interesting female characters when was the last time you saw a drama about a group of hookers um and it is british telly early british cinematic storytelling at its finest yeah it was great it was classic um, can people still watch this is it available let's check hold please caller <laughs> it's definitely on dvd which i know is your yes. uh your whole buy it for a method yeah yeah where, where, a... how much would dell boy sell it to you from so you can buy it on Amazon, you guys, for the complete series for nineteen pounds The whole series. I mean, that's extraordinarily expensive. Well, that's not secondhand, that is new. No. I'm sure you could find it cheaper secondhand. Okay, that was Band of Gold from Terry. Yes, in my um, ongoing, um, my own spin of Banshee, which is I have comedy Banshee. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. See, this is going to overlap with our new regular, isn't it? It is going to overlap a bit, yeah. But I'm trying to find, there's there's so many quite good obscure comedies. Family Tree, have you ever heard of Family Tree? Family Tree was a Christopher Guest HBO series shown on Sky here um, from 2013, actually it was shown on BBC Two here in 2013, in which he also appears, and the main character was played by Chris O'Dowd, and it was all about find Chris O'Dowd's character wanting to find, research his family tree. It was like comedy, who do you think you are? And it was all about the, the thing now people like doing of trying to trace their roots. But turned into a kind of classically Christopher Guest-esque semi-improvised comedy with a brilliant cast Michael McKean's in it from Spinal Tap Ed Begley Jr's in it um, it's really it, Kevin Pollack was in it and it was so gentle this was a thing it was so almost like people didn't barely even notice it because it was so gentle and HBO cancelled it after one series but it is honestly I loved it it was a it really good amazing yeah it was a really lovely show and, and, and full of kind of weird and wonderful it's basically like his love letter to British TV comedy I think because one of the characters in it is obsessed with British TV comedy and it's great. There you go. Family Tree. Family Tree, which presumably is available somewhere. It's got to be on Skybox sets. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, going, I'm going for The Fades oh, this week. Okay. I'm yep. going to pull out The Fades. This was a supernatural drama from Jack Thorne, who, among other things, wrote Harry Potter and the Cursed oh, Child. Yeah. Uh, ran from 2011 to 2011, for it only got one <laughs> series and six episodes before it got canned. Controversially, Controversially it got a big fan base. Yeah. Because, yeah, it also won a BAFTA for Best Drama Series the year after, so it clearly was appreciated, but, yeah, yeah. Never, never, got, uh, never got picked up again. And the story never was completed, which is actually yeah. a real, you know, that, and I think that's the only thing that really bugs me about this. But it's most notable in retrospect, I would say, and Terry isn't listening, so I'm going to bring her back into the I room. am listening. No, you're not. <laughs> It's most notable in retrospect because it stars Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, Daniel Kaluuya I love him. As comedy sidekick and massive sci-fi geek Mac. And he does these to-camera recaps. Like, each episode begins with a what previously on the, the vase. And he does it it's really funny. And he always ends with a quote from Mork and Mindy. He's like a nanu-nanu. Hmm. Yeah, it's, he's, he's great in it. Uh, he's, he's really fun. And uh, Ian DeCastica stars uh, in the main role as Paul, who's this boy who, well, sees dead people walking around like regular people. 
Uh, he's, he is an angelic and can see the sort of shades of people who've died uh, but not moved on. They're known as the fades. Uh, and the rub here is that there's a backlog of fades sort of building up and they're getting increasingly pissed off and inclined to try and take control of the world from the living. And it sounds like a very sort of hoary setup, but it's really, really fun and it was really well executed. I enjoyed it loads. And I was mortified when it got cancelled because it ends unresolved and the final episode has a very shocking death of a major mm. character which catches you very much off guard. But this show manages to be both very witty and also very compelling. It's got sort of scares and tension to burn, plus jokes. But it seems only a few people, BAFTAs aside, really appreciated its greatness. It, it was really good. I agree. I host. I got. I was hosted the the premiere of it, the screening. Did with you? Q&A. Did you yes, with Jack and Daniel and Ian, and it was great. First name terms. Yeah, and everyone loved it. And it was really close to um, Jack Thorne's heart. I think he was. He was really quite rightly gutted that they didn't. Yeah. But you know what? I think it was all. It was. It fell victim to the whole BBC Three stop being a channel thing mm. that happened mm. soon after. And he was trying to do this quite ambitious you know, kind of sci-fi fantasy thing on a BBC Three budget, not even a BBC Two or BBC yeah. One budget. And he pulled it off because it was kind of stylishly filmed as well. It was mm. great. But they just couldn't afford, you know, once BBC became, it was hardly a thing anymore. <laughs> it was never going to happen. But it was really good. That and Being Human were, the, I think, the two kind of drama triumphs of BBC Three back in the day. See, And it felt like a kind of spiritual cousin to being human yeah being human may get banshee down the line that's on my long list there of potential go. shows banshee, to do that banshee. how long is your banshee long list oh very very long <laughs> <laughs> You're ne- it's never gonna end but it that way uh no but the fades has also had also starred uh joe dempsey aka yes. gendry for game of thrones as Great an cast. angry fade i wouldn't normally recommend people watch something that doesn't have a proper ending i have a bugbear about that but in this case i am willing to make an exception the fades is great and it's available on DVD. You can pick it up. <laughs> the one and only box set, the one and only series you can pick up for two pounds. Wow. Whoa. Two pounds bargain. Classic. Yeah. Do that. The fades. And that is it for another pilot podcast. Do hurl your questions to us at Pilot TV Mag, to me on at James C. Dyer, to Boyd on at Boyd Hilton, or to Terry on at Terry underscore White. Both of them have vastly more followers than I do. Also, don't forget to uh, pass on your sitcom recommendations for our new regular. It should be a laugh. <laughs> and do express your appreciation for the podcast by mailing a crisp £50 note to James Dyer at Pilot TV... No, failing that, failing that, head over to iTunes and leave us 55 star ratings or 550 star ratings. Love. We're not fussy. We'll be back next week when, I have reason to believe, there will be discussion of one Alan Partridge. Mm, Aha. Pilot out. Mm.